press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell, and this is take two of our intro because <laughs> Connor thinks we didn't do it, even though it just happened 10 seconds ago. That is and so weird. I must be still unwell from Tony's weekend. <laughs> do you feel like it's like a hangover, like a, as Brené Brown would call it, a vulnerability hangover? It does. I feel like a zombie. I feel as if I'm walking through fog or something, but happy summer. Another Broadway season has come and gone. Maybe one of the funnest that I can remember, at least probably the funnest since we started podcasting. Definitely the funnest since we started podcasting because <laughs> the first season we were podcasters was interrupted on March 12th, 2020. The <laughs> second year was still coming out of lockdown. And then the third year, which were, you know, was last year's Tony's and now we're in our fourth year. So that's crazy. We'll, it will celebrate four years at the end of this year. Oh my God. Yeah. What a jam packed, crazy, crazy, crazy season. I know. It's already and begun again with Once Upon a One More Time and Grey House and Here Lies Love coming soon. But wow. And what Alex a, Edelman's a, just for us and uh, who I'm obsessed with and we need on the pod. And we've had, let's just say we've had friends in high and low places reaching out to, to get him on the podcast. So high and low places. I think there was around 40 new shows that opened on Broadway this season, whether it be plays, musicals, special event type things like Mike Birbiglia. And yeah, like you said, one of the most fun seasons. I mean, I tweeted this the other night from the comfort of my couch, but it was one of those Tony Awards and jam-packed with performances that would have made me think, okay, Connor, we're planning a trip to New York. Let's beg our parents. We yeah. can probably squeeze in four shows if we rush them all or if we do the lottery. Uh-huh. <laughs> The performances, I, I would look at to Hunter afterwards and I'd be like, that would make me want to go see that show. You know, and 100%. I haven't viewed the Tonys like that in the last couple of years. But this year, for some reason, it just feels like there's so there was so much on the line for these shows to win awards and able to keep running. And there was no major, major winner of the night. The most awards any show won was Kimberly Akimbo with five. And then Some Like It Hot and Leopold Stott got four. Yeah, each. exactly. And I think three. It was kind two, of spread. And- there were some people who went home empty-handed, which tends to happen. It does. I know. And Juliet went home empty-handed. It did. And I know that is, people say it doesn't necessarily need awards to run because it's it sells itself. I mean, the concept, the music, the performances, etc. But I would have loved at least one and Juliet win. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show, you can't say the Olivier's are any sort of a litmus test for how a show is going to do at the Tonys because... I mean, that show did walk away with three Olivier's in 2020, but those were all acting awards. And it was only nominated for two acting awards here. So, and I thought its best chance was Betsy Wolf. I agree. I thought it could have gotten orchestrations because to take all of those pop songs and make them all seem seamlessly like theater songs, I think even better than Moulin Rouge does it. Ooh, interesting take there. It works so well. So I'm a little sad that they lost. I am sad they lost orchestrations. But anyway, I interrupted you when you're talking about how exciting the show was. I mean, to that point, 
Remember when we were in like middle and high school and we would DVR the Tonys and then just have not saved the DVR all summer, even though it was taking up lots of space. Three hours. We would just throw it on all the time. Like when we, I don't even know what we were doing back then that we like, oh my God, we probably even had it during the school year and we would like do homework to it. I think we would. We would keep it until the early school year. I remember watching that 96,000 in the Heights performance again and again and again. Kelly O'Hara, South Pacific, again and again and again. Oh my God, Crybaby randomly. 2008 <laughs> was, was the first like... Tonys we ever watched. And so, okay, yeah, that one, 2009 was like my favorite Tonys year ever, maybe. 2010 was amazing. It was just so special. And this one felt special again. So basically, this is going to be our recap episode, our twin talk We've been talking Tonys for months and months now, but this is going to be sort of our our farewell to the season. And we're going to look back on the actual ceremony and look ahead to what's coming up next, which you mentioned already. There's some shows that are running, but Connor, you had a very unique experience this year. So I would love for you to tell our listeners what happened with you and the Tonys. Oh my God. So fun. Well, yeah, normally I watch from the comfort of a couch, which is my favorite place to watch any kind of award show, I have to say. Your phone can be charging. You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Oh, trust and believe I had a phone charger in my suit jacket pocket all night and I couldn't find an outlet anywhere. It was actually the drama of my, my dose of drama of the night that I couldn't (laughs) find a, no, the actual drama was that the self-service was spotty, but as listeners may or may not know, I work in advertising and I'm on the advertising teams for both Kimberly Akimbo and Top Dog Underdog. So I was at the Tony party for them. So it was a watch party and then it was an after party. In a very exciting turn of events, both shows won their major awards. Top Dog won Best Play Revival and Kimberly Akimbo won Best Musical. And it was honestly so surreal. I mean, I remember being on this podcast talking about like going to Kimberly opening night and being a part of this experience since it's moved from the Atlantic to now has been so fascinating and different. And I talk a lot about being a kid and trying to figure out where I fit in the theater industry and, you know, the dream to always work on Broadway and be a part of the Broadway community. I never thought I would be working on on an advertising team, but it's been a really, really interesting and educational and unique experience. And wow, what a moment to be there with everybody that I have worked with behind the scenes. And I want to say this to all the listeners out there who aren't actors, who aren't creators, who don't necessarily, you know, you watch the Tonys and you see them thinking the actors or the writers, whoever, whoever thinking, you know, the, the, the people in the theater, they're thinking their castmates, they're thinking the creative team. But what many of us, what maybe even I didn't know was there is teams of hundreds behind the scenes working on these shows every single day to sell it, to market it, to give it press, to everything, everything behind doing the financials to the merchandise, like, and these are all part of the team. And so it was really lovely to be there with everybody that I've been working with since honestly day one on Kimberly and Top Dog and celebrating that win together. I could look around the room and be like, oh my God, I remember when we were in the trenches during opening or trying to figure out how to sell it through the winter or when the ad campaign changed from this to that. I don't know. It was really, really special. We were all like holding our each other when Kimberly was announced her best musical. And and then I had that video of Top Dog because I honestly didn't know if Top Dog was going to win. I thought it was going to be a doll's house. So I was like, I'll just film it just in case. I was sitting in the back of the room and oh my God, the room exploded when Top Dog won. So It, it probably felt like you were watching like the Super Bowl or something like that. It kind of did. I have to say though, it's funny watching 
Broadway's biggest night on TV with theater people, but they were not all really paying attention that closely. I mean, it was like, we're going to the bar, we're talking over these speeches, we're doing this, we're doing that. So it was it was like any kind of watch party, but I, I'll never forget standing there after Victoria Clark had won. And then me and my colleagues were all like, all right, final award of the night. Like, this is a this is a moment for the show we work on every single day, regardless of your feelings about who should or shouldn't win or whatever. It was just such a crazy thing to be like, wow, we're a part of this and took it to the end. Who was beside you? Oh my God. Well, my colleagues, Beth and Maya and my boss, Kevin, my colleague, Anthony, we were all kind of like holding each other's arms and it was so fun. Friend of the pod, Nathaniel Hill was behind me and (laughs) it was really, really fun. That's so fun. I mean, when in your life again, I mean, who knows what you'll work on next year, but like, I feel like it's been such a special journey. I remember you seeing it at the Atlantic. So fun. Well, congrats to you. Congrats to your team. Thank you. Uh, Hunter and I were sitting on my couch in Columbus, Ohio, watching, cheering for Kimberly, of course. And I I knew, I I knew in my heart that was the way the night was going to go. It's got to say, fun as hell being at a Tony's party, especially when like the winners come in at the end and they're, the rooms are cheering for them as they walk through the doors. Like that was really exciting, but there's no place I'd rather be than hanging out with you on a couch, watching the Tonys together. It's nostalgic, it's cozy, it's fun. And it's like, that's, that is the magic of theater for me. It's like experiencing it with you. Okay, I'm being soft today, yeah. but. No, I love it. Cause we always like laugh our asses off, like tweeting live with the whole thing. So. And you did such it's, a great it's always job. Really fun. Thank you. Yeah, I loved taking the reins on our Twitter and going, going crazy with it. But I also really wanted to focus, you know? Like I missed, one of the speeches earlier in the night because I was too busy like trying to find a picture of something and I was like (laughs) you know what I'm only going to do that kind of stuff on commercial breaks I want to watch the ceremony for what it is so let's discuss the actual ceremony give a little bit of a breakdown on how the night went it was the unscripted Tonys you know the show must go on without a script and everyone's talking about this wordless opening aka the overture (laughs) <laughs> that uh, Ariana DeBose went with. Just to kind of kick things off, I think Ariana DeBose is just an amazing hostess. And she's done this a few times now. She did it last year and she did Iconically the BAFTAs, if you know, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> and um, she slayed. She slayed. Her dancing was incredible. She was just herself using her silly voices. And yes, she's being natural and relatable. I know you text me, She's you're like, she's queen of camp. And I was like, Honestly, she is. And she's so beloved in the Broadway community, you know? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. She doesn't have a Tony. Ariana's allegedly coming to Broadway next season, starring in a revival. When she was in the opening number and she jumped from the staircase, the whole room I was in screamed. It was so fun. Mm -hmm. I loved also that we got to see the United Palace. Like, I thought that was a cool way for them to introduce us to this venue. Allegedly, it was hundreds of degrees in there like yeah, what was the issue is it is it the air break or something i don't know maybe it just was it was a really hot day in new york it was like really it was in the 80s and i don't know i imagine like maybe they, it wasn't ready for all the people that were coming in with the ac units blaring i don't know i don't understand HVAC. Mm-hmm. that's for our father to discuss but it is you know what's funny too i didn't think that the stage looked different like i didn't think it looked very much that different inside the aisles and like the amount of space in front between the front row and the stage was smaller obviously but like normally like when they're up there accepting the award or whatever it just kind of looked normal to me which is comforting that it didn't seem like a huge change for sure so ariana basically off the cuff was just talking about how the strike, the WGA strike is going on and how things were going to be unscripted. 
which actually there was a segment beforehand with Skylar Aston and Julianne Huff who did something similar. She is so natural, by the way. Oh yeah. And he looked gorgeous. Yes. An interesting choice as a host, I think, but he slayed. Who do you think they went to first? Julianne, because she did it last year. Okay. And then do you think that they were like, okay, we want another man? I don't know. Well, it was Darren Chris last year. Oh, they probably asked him again. He was there. He was actually at the show. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe because isn't, isn't Skylar Aston in that uh, CBS show with Marsha Gay Harden? You're right. They probably wanted a CBS yeah. star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that they considered Leah? Well, she did the nominations, so I don't know. And since she was performing, I mean, not that performers haven't, or hosts haven't performed in the past, but I don't know. Anyway, I'm cutting you off, but there was a segment about WGA. Yes, and kind of really welcomed us into the night and assured us that everything would be normal as they could make it. And I thought it was really normal. The biggest thing missing for me was that overhead voice who would say something when someone would win an award, like... For example, when Victoria Clark won Best Actress in a Musical, there's usually that soothing woman who goes, Victoria Clark was previously a winner in this same category in 2005 or whatever year it was. That to very me, true. That to me was missing because then it was just them sort of awkwardly walking down the aisles. And I love that context. I think that a big part of Tony's now is Tony's history as well. Mm. So especially because it was such a historic night. That it would have been nice yeah. for when Alex or Jay won in their categories for the announcer to say, Alex Newell is making history as the first non-binary performer to win a Tony Award for Best Actor and a yeah. Featured Actor in a Musical. That to me was missing, but it was then on the winners to sort of incorporate it into their speech. So Very true. And, you know, speaking of the winners, I think most people who predicted the night got it right. I don't know that there were any surprises other than maybe a few Sweeney wins that happened, but all very deserved winners. But as a viewer of an award show and as a viewer of, you know, predicting and that kind of stuff, the lack of surprises made it a little less fun for me. I just have to say, you know, I would have loved like some random, not that I wanted this to happen, but say Jessica Hecht beat Chastain or Comer and best leading actress in a play or something like that, where there was like a wild upset that was so fun. And then they get to give kind of a shocked speech where they're like, I didn't think this was going to happen. Like whatever, like that really didn't happen at all. There was no huge shock. Like, Oh my God. And Juliet wins best musical or something like that. Otherwise all the winners were very well deserved. And I think no one can really argue with a single one that um, one, I mean, unless your opinion is that they shouldn't have, which is also amazing and totally welcome, but. And it was sort of this way with the Oscars this year. Like we kind of knew everything that was going to happen in advance. It takes away that nervous feeling. It was just a predictable night in, in almost every way imaginable with, with the exception of those creative yeah. awards that Sweeney took home, I think. But we've seen when the night goes very unpredictable, like in 2018, when the band's visit won everything. And so I think that, like, true, in my opinion, I'd rather it be predictable and deserving as opposed to a full sweep of a show that people felt like, well, wait, that shouldn't have gone to Tony Shalhoub. No Tony Shalhoub slander here, but we all agree that Ethan Slater should have won that Tony Award for Best Actor in Musical. <laughs> right, and that's that's fact. But no, I hear you. I guess just as a viewer of the show and like a fan of Broadway in general, I would have liked a little more, something else to, to be a little buzzier about. Totally. But we have the answer now to Comer v. Chastain. Yes. To Best Lead Actress in a Play, it ultimately went to Jodie Comer. 
which you knew it was going to happen. Well, once I saw her in her show, I was like, it's so different than what Jessica's doing in her show. And Jessica Chastain crushed A Doll's House. She absolutely ate that. Incredible performance. Deserves a Tony. Deserves a Tony. And I wish that she still could have taken one home in some way, but it was Jody's win. Once you see her in Prima Facie, you will understand why. I just wanted there to be a tie this year. A few hours before the ceremony, I said, I want there to be a historic tie. And I was hoping it to be either the in best lead actress or in best uh, in a musical or best lead actress in a play. And no ties I at know. all, but Chastain will return <laughs> to Broadway. I think she's built up such goodwill. I mean, she really campaigned. She really integrated herself in the Broadway community, hosting the Easter bonnet, doing ham for ham, going to every single award ceremony, looking fierce, being mother. I think that she being just, mother. it just wasn't the year for her. You know? It's okay. okay. I just think it's- She has an Oscar, my God. She does. We have a new halfway to an EGOT here with Jody. She's got her Emmy for Killing yeah. Eve and now this Tony and we'll see what she does next. I know she's been dabbling in film, so. Okay, so some other great moments to me, I have to mention the Danae Benton calling the governor of Florida, the Grand Wizard of Florida. That was that was a surprise. There you go, unscripted, gag-worthy moment. She ate that. And the crowd almost had to do a double take. <laughs> I think we don't know Danae as like a theater community other than as the characters she's played. We, we haven't seen her personality outside of the roles does that make sense? It does. No, I mean, like, to, to compare her to, like, a, like an Ariana DeBose, who's had the opportunity to host things and really have her personality out there, or, like, a Julianne Huff. Maybe they're different because they're, like, a little more famous. But you're right. Like, it was really fun to see Danae's personality come out. I, you know, I wanted the overhead announcer to be there to be, like, star of the Gilded Age, Janae Benton. But <laughs> I wanted her to be like coming this fall. Yeah, when's it is. coming? But now that we know a little bit more about her, we stand. And actually, Thank we famously you. asked her to do the pod. We did. I think she was getting married at the she time. She was getting married. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We should revisit for sure because she's totally. an icon. But... Well, that was an amazing moment. And then, of course, the Michael Arden faggot moment. Have we ever said faggot on drama? <laughs> Are we allowed to curse on here? No, he goes, I'm a faggot with a Tony. Yes, right? which was amazing. Such an amazing moment. I wonder if he pre-planned that line. Because Definitely. Because so incredible. Definitely. Oh, my God. That and everyone, of course, you know, <laughs> went wild in the audience. Michaela Diamond's face was amazing. You had Ben Platt and Noah Galvin screaming work. It was giving, like, end of Anne Juliet. As I, as I jokingly say, like, at the end of Anne Juliet, when they're like, yes, mama, yes, God. Come on, honey. <laughs> like, you had Ben Platt and Noah Galvin in there clown suits screaming work <laughs> not the fashion police clocking in mm -hmm. i'm kelly osborne right now at, on the fashion police oh um, my god wait and speaking of the michael arden moment this twitter is also a buzz about that other man he mentioned in his speech are they in a throuple is this that we need to ask andy mantis for this is that a little too juicy no i think that this is what people expect from drama it's stuff that we would tweet about anyways so, right yes if you're openly thanking both of your partners in your speech i think that opens up another conversation um, throuple representation at the tony's <laughs> The thruple moment was buried by the F slur moment. So I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> Michael Arden, so eloquent though. So deserving. I, I really miss him acting. 
He's amazing. And he finally got his Tony after you said on another podcast, I think that he's been nominated for every single show he's directed on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So to finally have it with Parade, uh, super exciting. And Parade, of course, won Best Musical Revival. And Ben and Michaela gave a great performance. Lots of vibrato from Ben. A lot of vibrato. To me, we've seen them do that song so many times. Like, you know, I, I don't think I would have wanted to see All the Wasted Time, but I would have liked to have seen maybe a medley of songs from the show just because there's so many Broadway veterans in that show and the revival represents more than just two people, but the whole press campaign has been about just the two of them. So I guess that's what they decided to angle it with. The the last thing I want to say about Michael Arden is he's been nominated three times for directing three revivals. I would really love to see his take on a play or or an original musical because I think he has such a great knowledge and point of view that he's able to make us look at things we've already seen differently. I'd be curious to see what he would do with something new. Love that. Well, hopefully he gets a chance now. He's got his Tony. I think he's attached to something and I'm forgetting now what it is. Listeners, let us know what that is. Any other speeches that really spoke to you throughout the night? Well, I felt that Bonnie Milligan's speech was so heartfelt and so impactful. It's one of those that if I was watching as a little overweight boy in Ohio would have felt like I can do it too. Yes. And that's exactly what she told everyone out there who feels a little different or like they're not necessarily, you know, fitting the mold, quote unquote, that was stunning. She ate that. It was so heartfelt talking about her loss and how the show has gotten her through it. And I mean, everyone says she should have gotten nominated for Head Over Heels. And I I feel like she should have. And so I'm really happy to see she had her moment and the dress was gorgeous. She looked amazing. Va, va, voom. Va, va, voom. But her speech was great. And then, of course, the other two, like, the other two iconic and history-making winners of the night, Jay Harrison G. and Alex Newell, who won for Best Leading Actor in a Musical and Best Featured Actor in a Musical, respectively, like I said, made history and both gave gorgeous speeches. They're going to reach the people who needed to hear it and the people who didn't know they needed to hear it. And both iconic performances. Mm-hmm. And we've obviously had Jay on the podcast during Doubtfire. So this was before Some Like It Hot. I would love to chat with Jay again just to hear more about their journey because I feel like they've become such an icon. They're going to be on that show on Fox. It's coming out soon. And oh, I think it's an incredible win. I loved Jody Comer's speech as well. Shouting out Susie and Justin. Yes, our new friends of the pod. Loved um, her her um, Scouse accent, as we discussed. But I think Brandon Urenowitz was probably my favorite speech of the night. So someone on Twitter posted, like, I think that the theme of this year's Tonys is very good people getting their long overdue flowers. And I think that that is exactly what it is. Bonnie, Brandon Uranowitz, Michael Arden. I could go on and on. All Does people- Casey Nicola already have a Tony? Let me look that up real quick. That was a question that was in the room because no one could remember, but we all felt like he had because he's always directing and choreographing on Broadway. But he won director for Book of Mormon. It was great to see Casey Nicola get his first choreography, Tony. I will say that was one that I wanted to go to Susan Stroman. Yeah. But, you know, so it goes. And then I saw a great article on Gold Derby about how Jodie Comer is the 100th performer in Tony's history to win a Tony in acting for their Broadway debut. Wow, what a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Other other notables include Andrew Burnap, Miles Frost, obviously last year, Cynthia Erivo. The color purple. That is so cool. Okay, well, speaking of Andrew Burnap, this is my dose of drama. We're going out of order here today a little bit, but I saw Camelot. Right. 
about a week before the Tonys. It was like the final, I think the final show I had to see that was nominated for, def- well, definitely for Best Revival of a Musical. But I absolutely loved his performance as King Arthur. It was so quiet and focused and empathetic and he's just so gorgeous to look at and he's got a beautiful singing voice and the show itself was i thought really interesting long but interesting he jordan donica and philip sue i just love the three of them as a trio it's a love triangle in the show and wow he really took my breath away with some of these quieter moments and i feel like it was a snub that he wasn't nominated for best leading actor in a musical i would have put him in instead of brian darcy james and christian borrell i would have put andrew burnap in there take both of them away and put burnap in because i really just felt like it was an effective performance and i'm so glad that he got to perform on the tonys and speaking of camelot that medley they did i thought was a really great showcase for the show i thought so too i don't know if anyone's ever looked better in the entire world than pippa sue she her 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 blush her high, like she just looked so fierce. Like she's like, I'm here. Perfect. I'm here to slay. Speaking of fashion and other moments like that, we mentioned Bonnie Milligan looked just glorious in her gown. Any other big fashion moments for you at the Tonys? Betsy Wolf's purple lavender haze moment mm-hmm. with the feathers was iconic. Her hair looked great. And I loved her post-awards dress. She did a little costume change for the Anne Juliet party. And her Instagram story was so funny. She was posting with truly everyone. I think she saw and she looked so good (laughs) it was great she's kind of a fashion legend i remember was it last year at the tonys when her boobies were pushed up so high and she looked (laughs) it was betsy's wolves oh (laughs) i love that yeah i agree someone i don't think we saw on the ceremony but krista rodriguez og friend of the pod looked basically nude in this gorgeous commando gown that she was that she rocked (laughs) um i thought most of the cis men were dressed very dapper uh, we had a lot of black tuxes uh, josh groban colton ryan the Uranowitz. only yeah the only uh cis man i thought that really took a a step into the, like fashion couture was justin cooley he looked so good mm-hmm. i saw him at the after party and i was like fashion down He's so cute, like just like adorable. He is so sweet. He, I love him so much. Um, but yeah, you're right. The guys didn't really zhuzh it up too much. I mean, Alex and Jay looked incredible. Our non-binary legends. I mean, Jay's hair was diva down. Grace Jones, everything. <laughs> yeah. Annalie sparkled in her firefly gown. I thought that was beautiful. Oh my God. Looked so great on camera. Oh, Jerry Mitchell looked great in his white tux, I thought. And Lupita giving us giving us breasts. Iconic of, breastplate. Betsy's wolves. Lupita's Neongos <laughs> were out. You know who looked adorable was Joel Gray. Loved his speech. Loved that whole moment on the Pluto TV portion. So good. Yeah, he was great. Okay, so we've talked about some speeches. We've talked about some fashion moments. Any major snubs for you? Not really. Other than I would have loved if Burnap was nominated in the first place. I would have loved for mm-hmm. Anne Juliet to be nominated for orchestrations. I was convinced that Annalie Ashford was going to win Best Actress in a musical. Really? I just had this feeling like she didn't get nominated for Sunny in the Park. And she's such a great 
Sondheim musical performer that I felt like maybe this will be her win. Maybe this will be her Sondheim show. But like you said, maybe in years and years and years, she'll do Follies and she'll get a Tony for that. Or, you know, who knows? I love Annalie Beck on Broadway. And I think I kind of was just like, she has a play win. I'd love for her to have a musical win. But that being said, Victoria Clark entered a very small group of performers who have won two Best Lead Actress in a Musical Awards. Oh my God, I didn't realize it was that small of a list. It's small. It's like less than 20 for sure. That's great. I love that. There's a few other people who I think are due for that list. I mean, Kristen Chenoweth has never won Best Actress in a Musical. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, My snub, other than Chastain, which I really thought she was going to win, was probably that New York, New York only got the scenic design. Like I said, I really wanted it to get choreography. It was snubbed in general with with not getting an Anna Uzel nomination as well. But I felt like it came in really strong at the beginning of the night, like sort of as the second opening number. And then it was such a powerful number, you know? And then it sort of just quietly disappeared throughout the rest of the night. I know. And, and I know that maybe I was in the lone silent minority that loved that show. That was probably one of my favorites of the season. Um, speaking of the unscripted moments, the only person who tried to do like any banter was Nathan Lane. And I thought that was funny, but the crowd like wasn't, interested at that point because it was going <laughs> maybe so, they were just done was, yeah no it was towards the end of the night that's hilarious i know i really think like we said earlier everything went the way i thought it would so nothing really felt like shocking in terms of something that didn't win mm-hmm. i want to just say on the topic of performances because mm-hmm. we haven't really gotten to that i loved the camelot medley i think that some like it hot crushed yes Good way to showcase your performers. And they've had everyone in who was nominated, got at least a little moment. And Natasha really crushes in that show. She's, mm-hmm. she's phenomenal, phenomenal, totally. phenomenal. And I think, um, not to keep bringing it back to Juliet, but I think you said this to me when we were talking on the phone yesterday. They missed an opportunity to do a medley of their incredible Max Martin songs. Right. Why didn't they do that? I don't know because they, they, we should have had a moment from Betsy. We should have had a moment from Stark. You have a Tony winner, Paolo Jot in your show, and he's not even being showcased. I just think that roar is such a hard saying. And I think that after a long week of performances, some steam was sort of let out on that, that performance. And it just didn't land the way it does in the theater. Even the interesting camera work that they did, the room I was in wasn't gagging. I was confused, to be honest with you. You were confused? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Speaking professionally about what goes into picking a song for the Tonys, a lot of factors are at play. You know, I saw on Twitter people being like, why didn't this show do this number? Why didn't that one do that one number? And now being on the other side of it, in a way, I will say a lot of factors go into it in terms of like rehearsal time, in terms of getting people there and camera blocking and set and effects and things. So it could involve really restaging an entire number to do it obviously like something like camelot did like that probably took a lot yeah imagine if Anne juliet had done like some of the boy band stuff and maybe they started with stark doing like larger than life larger than life and it goes into like i want it that way and then they do the boy band thing and then all of a sudden she gets to do roar or something i don't know like even hit me baby one more time maybe they wanted to stay away from britney because of all the other britney musical that's on broadway right now but i don't know it just I love that show so much. And I felt like the Tony number didn't show the audience about how much excitement is in it, other than just the Katy Perry song. Totally. And I know that it's close to home for you, but I I similarly felt that 
Kimberly chose the wrong number and it should have been something that showcased Bonnie or maybe the act one closer this time. But I do love Anagram. It was giving that ring of keys 2015 Tony's moment. But thank goodness it won the biggest award of the night best musical. Totally, totally. And to your point, it's like, had they not won best musical, I wonder if people would have been like, oh, I watched Anagram and I want to buy a ticket. Or if they watched, you know, New York, New York's number happened so early in the night. Are people watching it and remembering it by the end thinking like, oh, I really need to buy a New York, New York ticket it, because it, it wasn't mentioned once a single time for the next three hours. Right. So interesting. It's stuff. so interesting. My last thing I'll say before we jump into the drama is I did feel that there was a lack of Broadway star power in the room aside from the people who were nominated. And I don't know if this is just the post-COVID of it all, but I just felt like it wasn't a cameras flashing to a who's who of the Broadway community. Like, I feel like it used to be like, you'd always see Kristen at the Tonys or different, you know, Alan Cumming or different people who were just always in attendance, who were stalwarts of the Broadway community. I just don't feel like I saw a ton of them in the audience unless they were already nominated or were performing or or presenting for right. that matter. And I did feel like such a good point. You know, it's usually like this, oh my gosh, I love all these people. Where is Bernadette? You know, where where is I mean, Grant, I don't know if Mandy Patinka would show up, but like where are people like that who or people who have done a Broadway show in the last five years who Right. I just felt like it was I don't know what the thought goes into all of that. I, that might be a silly thing to say, but for me, it's a great chance to see my faves on TV. And I wanted to see more people than just those who were nominated. Yeah, that's a really fun twist. Like, yeah, you're right. Where was Groff? The winners from last year, even. Like, we didn't get Matt Doyle presenting. Well, Matt Doyle was performing. They had a show, believe it or not. But they didn't have Toby and Lucy from Six. They didn't have Patty, but although she gave up her equity card. So maybe she's... Yeah. She's taking a minute, but I hear you. Oh, wait, really quick. I want to say, I always love seeing Sarah Brellis and she is a member of the Broadway community, but her vocal on It Takes Two, she bodied that. And Kennedy was so adorable and fun doing some Milky White action. Agreed. So literally loved that. You know what? Into the Woods is my snub. They should have won for best sound design and best musical revival. And that's what I say. And I tell everybody this. Okay, this is my real dose of drama here at the end. Into the Woods was the moment last summer. It was the summer blockbuster of Broadway. Everyone was going to see it. Everyone was gagging over it. It was a rock concert in there. Absolutely legendary production where they got to plug in and out all of your Broadway faves. And I'm so glad it's still running on tour. And the number they did was awesome. And it was fun that Sarah and Brian came back in to do it as the nominated performers show up on stage. Oh, yeah, Julie Lester looks so cute, by the way. But I really just feel like Into the Woods... She should be she should be a Tony winning revival. Yeah. It's a bummer. I think Ben Brantley from former critic of the New York Times said that that performance that Into the Woods did reminded him why it was an urgent revival and why the revival was necessary, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it. Okay. So a little bit of drama that we had from some some listeners submitted. Our dear friend of the pod, Angie, was very happy that Michael Arden won. No cis men won musical acting awards. Yes, love that. That's great. It really knocks down that argument that if we go genderless with categories or include non-binary performers that they still won't win or that it will take awards away from women it actually took them away from cis men and the opening dance ruled completely agree the opening dance was phenomenal a friend of the pod mac miles wrote i wanted more medleys shucked was the only one that tried it i know and shucked did an amazing job with their medley i thought that they were one of the strongest performers of the night performances of the night and then camelot i think was the only other medley Kylie Robinson wrote in, I did not miss the awkward scripted banter between presenters. 
I must agree. It, it really flowed, got down to business. And similarly, the futurist wrote in, hate to write this, but the Tonys moved faster without the writers. It got to the point and never lagged. Plus, some of the ad limbing was good. He also wanted to note that he is pro-union. Agree. And I think that was a huge thing that people were saying is, despite it being writerless, it flowed better and it got really, it stayed true to the point. There were no gags or anything like that. And so I think that writers should just take note of that. You can still have writers on a ceremony and include lots of fun things without there being awkward fodder and filler. People tuning in don't want to see weird jokes between the presenters, especially if the presenters don't even know each other. So like, you know, with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick presented together, amazing reunion, they can do a little banter, but I don't think that we would have needed a, a banter between Coleman Domingo and Leah Michelle. So yeah, I hear that mm-hmm. for sure. And the futurist also wanted to know, Connor, did you get loaded during the ceremony? <laughs> Tune to the Patreon. All right. Now, we also got another drama question. Now that Ali Stroker and Alex Newell both have Tonys, is this the sign that we need to reboot the Glee project? That's hilarious. I don't know if we need to reboot it, but I think we need to keep seeing Glee project veterans on Broadway. For sure. Lindsay Pierce is in Titanic mm-hmm. right now. You know, and of course, the internet's talking all about how Alex walked past Leah after the Tony win was announced, and then Leah performs at the end. But Leah did post the breaking of the bread IG grid post. Wait, Dylan, I have gotten feedback that we talk about Leah too much on the podcast. I'm I can't believe you guys talk about her all the time. I'm like, <laughs> it's drama. It was controversial. I know. It's. But one last thing about Leah is something you said but i completely agree we've heard don't rain on my parade so many times and i know that this show is supposed to sell tickets to broadway and that is an absolutely thrilling and wonderful song to do but to your point i would have loved if funny girl would have done the music that makes me dance or people or something a medley a medley yes. <laughs> especially because it's going on tour and that's another reason you know ariana shouted that out at the beginning she was like okay even if you don't want to come to new york these shows are coming on tour i really loved that moment me too a couple other comments just black theater nerd wrote in said milky white continues to be a stunner absolutely agree and she also said she loved that jay harrison and alex knew both winning and sharing that they had their family support meant everything totally agree that was powerful to see they both spoke about their mother's um, Andrea wrote in that uh, she loved Michael Arden's incredible speech. A lot of people Me wrote too. in saying that. MTJ said, why was Aaron Rodgers there? Made no sense. He's everywhere, but isn't he secretly gay? Allegedly. 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 <laughs> um, based, and then uh, other people wrote in just kind of saying they were surprised by the song choices, which I agree. That was a little... Yeah. It was wonky for Parade, uh, Funny Girl, and... And Juliet, I think, were, were the rest of them. Overall, it was an amazing year. Let us know your snubs. Let us know what you all thought was the uh, the highlights, the lowlights of the ceremony. We're not going to talk about next year's Tonys yet, but we'll, we'll. I think we can maybe hold off on, until 2024 to talk about the Tonys. Let's see how long we can go, Connor, until we get into it with predictions. I- I hear you, but I just remember vividly last summer seeing Into the Woods and I was like, Sarah Bareilles and Gavin Creel are winning their next or first Tonys for these performances. And to that point, I'm a little sad Gavin wasn't nominated. We did see him in the pre-show package. True. That was cute. And I know what a fun year. I love live theater so much and it is so 
so fun to have friends texting me who are watching from home being like, oh my God, this performance, or what do you think of this person? Or, you know, it really makes me feel like the things we love and the things we talk about on the show do have an appeal outside of just the theater community. And I love the Tony Awards. It is such a fun night. And I wonder what's going to happen next year. Yes. Thank you to everyone for listening, supporting us through this Tony season. We are going to be back next week with more drama, as we always do. And Dylan, I can't wait for the rest of the summer. We've got great stuff planned on the pod. And for our listeners who aren't on it, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the drama podcast, where we have extra bonus episodes between your favorite twins, just like this. And you get access to our Instagram close friends when you become a subscriber. So highly recommend. Love it. Of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Drama Podcast, on TikTok at The Drama Pod, and Connor. I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.